Welcome to Platypod, the official podcast of the Committee for the Anthropology of Science, Technology, and Computing. Here, we host dialogues and conversations about the theories, tools, and social interactions that explore questions at the intersection of anthropology and science and technology studies. This bonus content is a reading from Platypus, the Castag blog. Enjoy! Inclusion and Opportunities for Equal Participation for Autistic University Students in France by Kara Ryan, PhD candidate, New York University. Like the term equal participation, the words inclusion and inclusive are prevalent today, and they are all typically linked. Equal participation is often the goal of initiatives focused on inclusion. Although the word inclusive might appear capacious, inclusive just means everyone, right? Projects focused on inclusion and equal participation often target specific populations of people who have previously been excluded from something. That's the case of projects focused on the inclusion of autistic people into higher education, including one in France where I conducted ethnographic research for the dissertation I am currently writing on the changing categorizations of autism in France. That project, Constructing an ASPE-Friendly University, is a French government-supported initiative aimed at making the national French university system, and later the workforce, inclusive of some autistic people. The project is made up of 25 universities throughout France and has partnerships with a number of private companies, often in the technology sector. To achieve its inclusion aims, ASPE Friendly places a heavy emphasis on educating the university community about autism, especially through creating media about their project, such as a series of professionally produced pedagogical short films about autism, and in creating and utilizing technological interventions to facilitate equal access for autistic students. Observing the production of the aforementioned film series and participating in the preparation and execution of a hackathon where various technological prototypes aimed at the promotion of autistic inclusion at the university, what Liz Jackson might call disability dongles, were major parts of my fieldwork. There are good reasons for creating an inclusion project focused on one specifically excluded population, in this case, autistic university students. Enrollment rates of autistic students in universities are appallingly low, and for those autistic students who do enter universities, rates of retention are abysmal. And typical cookie-cutter accommodations in higher education, like increased exam time, while reductive and insufficient for many disabled people, are frequently particularly inadequate for autistic students who often face communication challenges, social misunderstandings, and prejudice on the part of many. Furthermore, there are especially compelling reasons for creating a project focused on autism in France. A long dominant psychoanalytic orientation in French psychiatry that claimed that autism is a rare and treatable mental illness caused by cold and unloving mothers resulted in autism being particularly stigmatized in the country. Likewise, the exclusion of autistic children from public schools, insufficient services, for families of autistic children and a lack of assistance for autistic adults, especially those with high support needs, has led to the country being condemned numerous times over the years by international governing bodies like the United Nations, including as recently as 2021. But defining one specific category for a targeted inclusion intervention can be complicated by a key on the ground reality. People and their situations are complex. In other words, people rarely fit into predefined boxes. My participant observation, and especially the conversations and interviews I had with my interlocutors, 
reveal time and again that people often fit into multiple, often marginalized categories. It also revealed concerns from some students that even in defining a specific targeted population within the autism category, qualifications and thus exclusions are made. Autism and intersecting identities. I begin with insights from Alex, a pseudonym. A student whom I came to know during my research and someone who identifies with multiple intersecting identities. As a member of an autistic student group independent from but connected to SV Friendly, they are very interested in efforts to make the university accessible for autistic students. Most of the accommodations Alex has through the Disability Center at their particular university have been granted because of Alex's chronic illness, which affects their mobility. Alex normally uses a cane, but sometimes uses crutches, depending on their changing needs. Although Alex discloses the fact that they are autistic to their instructors, often Alex's physical disability is the only thing that professors recognize and take into account. My physical disability is much more taken into consideration than the rest. For example, when I don't understand the instructions or misinterpret a question, they might think I'm stupid, but they don't think it's related to autism. On the other hand, there are certain accommodations Alex needs related to their mobility issues, but accessing these accommodations is not always straightforward, something Alex attributes to autism. For example, one of the accommodations granted to Alex is permission to use an elevator in a building where they have class, but to use it, you need a special badge which they have never been given. Another accommodation to which Alex is entitled is permission to check out more electronic books from the library, since carrying phys physical books can be difficult. The problem is Alex has never received the badge for the elevator, nor instructions about how to actually access the additional eBooks, which they've been granted. When I asked why Alex hadn't followed up with someone from the Disability Center, asked family or a related office, they astutely responded, I tried one time, but you have to realize that when one is autistic, communication and asking for things is not easy. Alex went on to explain to me how they had been completely confused by their schedule at the beginning of the semester and had emailed someone who never responded, and so they found their own solution. Rather than deal with complicated bureaucratic structures, Alex prefers to manage things on their own or to seek advice and support from specific individuals. The autistic, uh, sorry, the student tutor uh, the Disability Center has provided has been an important lifeline. And from other autistic students via a Discord server, Receiving and giving support to fellow autistic students has been particularly important to Alex. Although fatigue and numerous medical appointments can make it difficult to participate in all of the group's events, being a part of the Autistic Student Association, quote, allows me to participate in university life and to feel like I'm having a little bit more of a normal university life because helping each other is part of, is part of that. It gives me the feeling that I'm doing something, being a part of something. Accessing the university is difficult for Alex, and it's not always clear from where these barriers arise. In the elevator badge example, is the problem that the university is not de facto accessible to students with physical disabilities, or is it that the university is not accessible for autistic students for whom communication challenges might make navigating unwieldy university bureaucracy particularly difficult? In Alex's estimation, it's interconnected but they have not been able to express that to anyone in a position of authority at the university. Although Aspie Friendly is committed to involving autistic students in their initiatives, for example, autistic students participated and assisted in organizing the hackathon, and autistic students played fictionalized portrayals of autistic university students in an educational web series created by the project, students are typically invited to participate in projects designed to, in response to predetermined 
projects constructed to solve problems around inclusion. These problem-driven projects are generally, generally determined by experts based on certain scientific ideas about the needs of autistic students. Inviting user participation in response to projects focused on predetermined problems, especially in the hope of finding technological interventions, is in line with a certain kind of user-centered participatory design or design thinking approach. Design thinking is at the heart of many initiatives focused on autistic inclusion in higher education, especially in Europe, including the Autism and Uni project, a project supported by the European Union from 2013 to 2016 and now hosted by Leeds Beckett University in the UK. ASPE Friendly is officially affiliated with the Autism and Uni project through an offshoot project, the Image Project, an Erasmus Plus funded project focused on the transition of autistic university students into employment. Despite the involvement of autistic students in ASPE friendly initiatives, which stands in contrast with the lack of autistic involvement in some autism higher education programs in the US, many of which also charge exorbitant tuition fees, unlike the services of ASPE friendly, which like university itself, are free for French students. There's little space for a student like Alex to share insights that might fall outside of predetermined ideas about the lives and experiences of autistic students with those designing the project and its initiatives. Alex's experiences are not only influenced by their intersecting disabilities, they're also transgender and non-binary and regularly encounter transphobia. In their opinion, their trans identity is also interconnected with autism, since rigid gender boundaries are confusing to them. In Alex's estimation, the fact that it is difficult in France to talk openly about these intersecting differences only adds to their challenges. And in France, it's very taboo to name things. It's very taboo to talk about things. To talk about racism in France, for example, ooh la la, it's a subject. That's a very taboo subject. Disability, it's the same. It's hyper taboo. These subjects are forbidden a little. In fact, in France, it's not at all okay to talk about all that. There are also things that are forbidden. For example, to do statistical studies on certain oppressions, that's not allowed in France. They say it's because in France we're all equal, but it's not true. It's not true for me. As a disabled person, I don't feel like a citizen. I feel like I'm cast aside. Inclusion for Aspies. As Alex's situation illuminates, there may be limits to inclusion projects that do not begin with the experiences of real people whose lived intersecting realities may diverge from the expected problems of a universalizing category like autistic university student. Interviews and conversations with my interlocutors over the course of my research also revealed concerns some had about targeting one specific subpopulation of autistic students for inclusion, those whom the project called ASPIs, to specifically indicate autistic students, sans déficience intellectuelle, without intellectual deficits. The term ASPI comes from Asperger syndrome, a type of autism that in the current edition of the DSM-5 has been subsumed under the umbrella category Autism Spectrum Disorder. Although many follow the DSM in dropping the category, terms like Autiste Asperger and Aspie remain widely used in France. Some students with whom I spoke dislike the term Aspie because of its association with Hans Asperger, for whom Asperger syndrome comes, a Nazi collaborator. But I found that critiques of the term were often nuanced and complex. Every student I spoke to made clear that they had no problem with people who preferred to personally identify as Autiste Asperger especially if that was the specific diagnosis that someone chose as their personal identity. 
For those who raised concerns, these worries were not so much about terminology, but rather about the idea of defining a subcategory of autism for specific intervention. In two different interviews and many more conversations, people brought up a fear that some might not understand that ASPEs can experience significant challenges. In short, that their autism can be extremely disabling, despite the more elite label of ASPE. This echoes something said during the first ever autistic organized and autistic led training session at an ASPE friendly university, which I observed as a part of my fieldwork. One of the two autistic presenters spoke about the double bind that autistic university students, such as herself, often find themselves in. She said, one thing that is quite complicated with this kind of training is that if we discuss drags associated with autism, people think that we don't need help and therefore they won't help us. On the other hand, to get accommodations, we're obliged to present a version of autism that's extremely devaluing and very focused on deficits, and which, as a result, is not the reality. And in fact, each time we're a little blocked in a double bind. I also think that one thing that blocks this kind of initiative is the fact that the discourse on autism is monopolized either by associations or by parents of autistic people, etc., but rarely those so concerned. Some with whom I spoke pointed out that many, many people associate the term Aspie with autistic people who do not have difficulties with spoken language, yet there are autistic students involved with Aspie Friendly who had language delays as children and who continue to have difficulties with spoken communication. And some were never diagnosed with Asperger's, nor ever identified with that term. As one student whose critique was rooted more in logic than activist outrage explained to me, autistic people, like all people, develop over the course of their lives. But it wouldn't make sense to say that someone was autistic before, but now that they have made progress, they have Asperger's. He was asking, how could someone previously diagnosed autistic become an Aspie once at the university? Respondents also worried that the term ASPE was creating a hierarchy in the autism community between, as one student said, those perceived as bad autistics and good autistics. This was especially concerning to one student who wanted to make sure the university would be accessible for all autistic people, whether they would be going on to employment after their education or not. There is a whole variability among autistic people. There are people who have more or less difficulties, others who have who are more or less independent and all that, except that even the people, for example, who are nonverbal, it does not prevent them from having interests which are taught in the university and from wanting to further their education about that subject without even necessarily thinking about a job after. I think that now in universities, we're always thinking about the job after. You study this thing for this job, you know? As the examples I've given in this short post show, and as I've learned time and again during my research, in practice, people's individual situations do not easily align with narrowly defined categories. Does this mean that projects designed for a previously excluded population are misplaced or should not exist? Absolutely not. This is not an argument against targeted inclusion projects. In fact, my research continually revealed how much students benefited from increased understandings of autism, increased acceptance of autistic difference, and especially the spaces opened up by SV Friendly that allow students to gather for mutual support. It is, however, an argument for listening to the people for whom projects are designed and intentionally making time and space to think about individual situations, intersecting forms of oppression, criticism, conflicting ideas, and paradoxical situations. In short, all the messy things that allied narrowly defined categorizations. Equal participation and autistic uh, inclusion. This series of posts is inspired by Christopher Kelty's historical ethnography of the problem of participation. 
pointing out that inclusion literally means confinement, Kelty identifies inclusion as one of the most fraught cognates of participation. For an interesting take on the word inclusion as it relates to disability in France, see Halpern 2021. Inclusion, like participation, is generally accepted as a self-evident good for which society and its various institutions should all be striving. And like participation, the often taken for granted discourse around inclusion has a, has a specific history, one that, as it turns out, comes from France. Educational philosophers Michael Peters and Tina, Tina Besley, building on the work of sociologist Dan Allman, trace contemporary inclusion discourse to the 1974 publication of Les Exclus en Francais Soudi, The Excluded, One in Ten in France, by French politician René Lenoir. The argument of this influential book was that as much as 10% of French society, the disabled, the elderly, and various social outcasts, had been excluded from the economic prosperity of the three decades following the Second World War. This was seen as a grave threat to France's Republican model of integration and its promise of social solidarity rooted in the idea that all citizens are equal. A focus on identifying those excluded and finding ways to include them then spread into the Anglophone world through the introduction of neoliberal so-called third-way policies in the UK focused on providing equality of opportunity to society and its existing institutions, rather than, say, revolutionizing them. When a previously excluded group, like those identified as ASWIs, becomes included in something, like the French public university system, that something comes to be called inclusive. But inclusion, as Foucault and many others have pointed out, always rests on a binary of inclusion-exclusion. So while we may encounter the word inclusion and think everyone, that is never the case. In a sense, then, exclusion is baked into every project of inclusion from the start. In fact, we only know who's included through defining who's excluded. But who does the work of determining the boundaries of inclusion? Are intersecting categorizations and the lived experiences they engender considered? And what's the criteria for determining the included population? It turns out that those called ASPIs in the French university system, whether they self-identify with this term, prefer another term such as autiste, have much to say about these topics. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any comments and feedback, feel free to share them with us on the blog. You can find the link to the post in the description of the episode.